Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast where we get down to the nitty-gritty of what actually happens before, during, and after a cancer diagnosis. I'm your host, Madison Pollock. Today's guest is Shannon Curry, a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. At the time of the interview, she had just finished chemo and was waiting to see if she had to do radiation or not. But as of now, she's officially cancer-free. Listen in to hear her story and the lessons she's learned from her experience. Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Hello, Shannon. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me. I'm very excited to chat with you. Um, So I kind of always like to start with how we got connected. It was from Instagram, but I'm curious how you found, did you find me through um, the podcast or I always like to like hear that? Yeah, it was actually through Nina Luker. Um, I follow right. her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Someone, one of my friends recommended that I follow her because there's some, a lot of similarities to her story. Um, and my friend had seen her right. on TikTok. Then I followed her on Instagram and I like chatted yeah. with her briefly, of course. Um, and then when she oh, posted, I, I found you um, and the podcast and then also your nutrition stuff too. And I was like, this is perfect. I need all of these things. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I forgot that you found me through Nina. She's so great. I, I saw yes. her on TikTok too. Yes. Um, before we ever talked actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I just saw her and I remember commenting on it, like you'll get through it, whatever. Like I had this, like a similar diagnosis mm-hmm. and, um, and Paige actually connected with Nina for our episode and she popped up and I was like, are you TikTok famous? Like that's a weird <laughs> question. <laughs> she was like, Yeah. <laughs> Yes. In the beginning, when I I was first diagnosed, one of my friends was like, listen, I think you should go on TikTok. I think that like you really have like a market out there. You'll get famous. (laughs) People will follow your story. But I don't know. I I just just feel like I have so many. I feel like I already waste so much time on my phone on social media (laughs) that I support TikTok. But I was like, I can't do it. Um, But I love that how well it worked for Nina and how it's been like so such a big part of her journey. Totally. I know. And it's, yeah, it's interesting. Actually, Elodie, the girl that we had on today, um, the episode that went live today, she is, she's like 17 and she went through ovarian cancer, but she's also TikTok famous. That's yeah. Like, so we have some stars on the, on the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good for them. I love it. I love TikTok. So it's great. Um, I cool. feel like okay. I get carefully curated TikToks because my friends send oh, me 100%. TikToks. So I don't waste yeah. as much time, but I'm still, I feel like I'm yeah. practically on it. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the algorithm knows me way too well. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of scary. <laughs> Everything I watch, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's really scary. Um, okay. Well, Shannon, you just finished chemo really recently. I so did. Congratulations. I did. Thank when you, did you so much. When was your last, um, when was the last treatment? Um, gosh, I feel like it's so hard to tell time these days. It was right at the beginning of, or no, it was the beginning of February. Yes. So I think I got out like February 1st. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice. How does it feel? It feels good. I'm in this weird waiting game though, where it's so exciting to be done chemo. And it's so nice Mm -hmm. to know that like that's behind me, but I don't have my scan until next week. So I've Mm -hmm. been in this like four week period where now that chemo is stopped, I feel like I personally am like starting to process a lot of this. So I'm like, now that 
I've stopped like, go, 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 focus on chemo, focus on the next round. I'm like, wow, that just happened. This is all still happening. So I feel like it's been a very overwhelming time. Um, And throughout my entire process um, and my treatment, my doctor was like pretty confident that I wasn't going to need radiation. But then after my scan before my fifth round, Mm -hmm. um, it was like a little bit confusing because the size was going down, but the activity went up a little bit. And I was like, I don't know what that means. What are you talking about? Mm. And she was like, we really honestly don't know. But just in case, that's when we kind of started to talk about radiation. So I'm like optimistic. I feel good that I hopefully won't need it. But again, at the end of the day, if I do, chemo's done. And it's, so I've heard, not nearly as exhausting. Um, So one way or another, I will figure it out. But yeah, the the waiting game is not fun. Yeah. No, that's like the worst part of the whole thing. Um, So how did you, I guess let's start from the beginning. How did you discover you had it? Because you had non-Hodgkin's, right? Non-Hodgkin's, yeah. So primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma. Um, God, it was a lot. So we'll like back all the way up um, to March. So when like COVID hit, I live in New York um, and my apartment at the time was perfect for what it was in normal life but it had no natural light. It was very small. And all of a sudden I'm in my apartment for two weeks by myself. And like in the beginning, I was like, this is fine. I got this. And in the beginning, I don't think anyone really realized how long it was going to be. But eventually I was like, I can't do this. No, we thought it was going to be like two or three weeks. I remembered like talking to my coworkers. We're like, oh, I'll see you in a month for like so-and-so's wedding. That now has been rescheduled four times. Like, yeah, I had no idea. But I eventually like had had a day where I was like, all right, I'm just going to go to Florida. My dad lives down there um, so I could stay with him. So I like packed a bag for like an undetermined amount of time and went down there starting in like April. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got down there, I noticed that I had like a bald spot on my head, mm-hmm. which at the time I was like, all right, alopecia must be from like the stress of just like coming down here mm-hmm. to this day. I'm still not really sure. Um, so I was down there for four three months, I guess, four months, early July is when I started to come back. So my sister, my older sister came down um, and drove down and then we ended up driving back up. And on the drive back up, I noticed I had this like rash on my chest and Mm -hmm. I was like, what is this? Like weird, but I I was like, whatever, it's probably just from the sun. No, not itchy, but it was like a little bit raised and Mm -hmm. just like weird. Like it wasn't itchy. It didn't hurt. But I was like, what, what is this? I'm confused. Like it's obviously something. Um, So I get back up and I remember the first day that I was back, I was in Ocean City, New Jersey, where I grew up. I was there for a couple of days Um, and I was in my sister's bed and I had this weird chest pain. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what? That was weird. Like I distinctly remembered as having that chest pain. And of course, at the time I was like, you're so out of shape. I like did a workout a couple of days earlier with both of my sisters. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's totally from like the chest workout classic. Um, <sighs> and then I go back to New York um, and I like still had this chest pain happening. I ended up moving apartments because I couldn't like live in that shoebox yeah, I don't blame you. anymore. I just have like a slightly bigger shoebox now um with natural light (laughs) so so the chest pain was it like a dull chest pain was it sharp like what did it feel like it was dull um and it wasn't impacted by deep breaths necessarily which is why I thought it was a muscle yeah which is why I thought it must be a muscle pain right um because I remember I moved 
to a new apartment. My mom came up to help me and we had this like tension rod that was like really difficult. Mm. So I'm for like 10 minutes was trying to unhook this tension rod. And then later that night I had chest pain and I was like, it must've been from the tension rod and like the muscle, I must have like this weird muscle thing going on. Yeah. So that was primarily it at first. And then about a week or two later, I was feeling just tired It was Mm -hmm. a Monday, I remember, and I was like, I'm probably getting old and have, like, a two-day hangover. I had, like, been out (laughs) with friends, like, doing outdoor dining that weekend, and I, like, Sunday didn't really feel great, and Monday, I was like, this is it. You're finally at that age where you're getting a two-day hangover. Yeah. Um, And then Tuesday, I still felt a little bit off, and I was like, wow, you're really old. Like, why are you so tired? I can't believe this. Mm. Um, And in the back of my head, I'm like, I didn't even drink that much, but, like, I guess like I really hadn't wasn't drinking a lot when I was in Florida so I was like must be alcohol right um and then that Wednesday I went for a walk with a friend and I was just so exhausted after and I was like this is weird it's not alcohol and I just felt tired so I took my temperature um, or I felt warm sorry took my temperature and it was like 99 which is like fine but also not great like low-grade fever and of course in my mind I'm like I have COVID Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was going to say, because this was all during COVID. I'm like yeah. panicking. Yes. And I'm like, okay, chest pain makes sense. Like fatigue. Totally. Um, so, yep. So I panic the next morning, get a COVID test, like tell whoever I had been like in the last two days, at least I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm getting a test um, and like locked down for a couple days. And then that Saturday, I get the results back and I'm negative for COVID. And I'm like, great don't have COVID. And like my symptoms were never up to this point, weren't that bad to the point that I was like, something's horribly wrong. Like, I just feel weird. Like it must right. be you know, just like off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just was off. And then the next week go through the same cycle where I like felt bad on Monday. And I was like, again, must be, must've been a two day hangover since you don't have COVID. Mm-hmm. And then by that Wednesday, again, I feel bad. And my f- temperature is up to 100 at this point. I took it again. Oh. And I'm like texting my friend that's a nurse. And I'm like, what's going on? This is so weird. She literally was like, it's probably the alcohol. And I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. Thank you, though. Um, <laughs> it would not give me four days. And I was like, good to know that you think I'm an alcoholic as a medical professional. <laughs> awesome. Um, she's like, just eat leafy greens. You're fine. So I'm like putting (laughs) spinach in my mouth and I'm like, this is so strange, but I finally made a doctor's appointment and I was like, I need, like, I'm not, this isn't cutting it. I need to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So the next week I have a doctor's appointment and they call for a chest x-ray and an EKG. Um, I go in for the chest x-ray and I knew it was weird because immediately they were like, okay, take the CD. Like you should definitely take this. And I'm like, they wouldn't be giving me a CD of a clear chest x-ray. Like they wouldn't want me to have it unless something came up like awesome um and my doctor called me like an hour later and did they did they say bring no, it because they were just the radiologists at that point but they were like just take this they, okay yeah yeah they were like just in okay. case you need they it weren't like bring it to your doctor okay. yeah they just said like you can have it just in case you need it for like your doctor and I was like mm, this feels weird my doctor should have it why do I yeah have it? so okay. my doctor calls me and it says looks like you have pneumonia um so I was like okay sounds like I have pneumonia um my uncle's a pulmonologist so I like because I had the discs I downloaded them sent it to him and he was like yep looks like pneumonia um they put me on antibiotics um with the EK did you see what they um what it looked like yeah and like I didn't really know exactly what I was looking at and like 
to this day, I find chest ray, chest x-rays to be shoddy technology. Don't use them. Go straight to a yeah. CT scan. Um, but like, it just looked a little right. fuzzy. I was like, I, how do right. you think pneumonia from here? Like, I guess on this side, it looks yeah. bad. Um, so yeah, it was weird. So, but my uncle was like, do the antibiotics, figure it out. Um, and then the EKG came back and apparently I had a heart block and I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, sound serious. Yeah, what is that? I don't know either. It's just, my gosh, I'm going to be horrible at explaining it. So just with how blood Mm -hmm. moves through your heart, one of the areas that it moves through is like slightly Mm. blocked. So like, of course I'm like, I have a heart condition. Oh my God, this is so scary. What's going on? I go to a radiologist and he does another EKG and it's like, fine. Um, Bizarre. And he's like, at least you don't have COVID. And I was like, yeah, at least I don't have COVID, I guess. <laughs> so bizarre. So yeah, like, like why is that a thing? I it's feel also like that's scary. Not exactly it. It's scary um, if you. It's scary if you had pneumonia because during COVID, like that was what was causing a lot of people to like not yeah. recover from it. So that was probably just so frightening in itself. Like that. Yeah. Whole exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then of course I'm going back in my mind. I'm like, did I have COVID and I didn't know it. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I have pneumonia. Like, how could that be? Like, I just, the amount of things that went through my mind over the summer of like, what the hell's wrong with me? None of them was cancer. I can tell you that, yeah, but yeah. I was like, what is this? <laughs> right. So it's so bizarre. So I go through the antibiotics and like, I'm feeling better. I'm definitely still a little bit fatigued, but that's what like the doctors say. They're like, it takes a while to recover from pneumonia. Mm. Um, so the weird part was that the rash on my chest kept growing. I thought mm-hmm. that like if it was pneumonia, maybe it was related and the antibiotics would clear it up. It didn't help. Mm-hmm. And my cough was getting worse. So I'm like messaging my doctor who's like a primary care doctor that like at this point, I'm like way above her level of like, I don't know what's happening. Right. I'm like, my cough is getting worse, but I feel better. And also there's this like chest x-ray or chest rash. And she's like, I honestly don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Just have to wait for the follow-up x-ray. And I was like, all right, fine. Mm-hmm. So finally get the follow-up x-ray and they're call me what, like two days later, which like the first x-ray they called me right away and they didn't call me until like two days later. So I'm like, hello, what's going yeah. on? Um, and they're like, it hasn't changed at all. Like the oh, x-ray wow. looked exactly the same. Okay. Um, so they're like, clearly it's, we don't know what it is. We need you to go for a CT scan. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course, insurance denied the CT scan. So I made an appointment Why? with a pulmonologist for the following week. I don't know. Insurance, insurance is such a scam. It's and like I have great crazy. insurance. I'm so thankful for it. But yeah. it's such a scam. Yeah. So ridiculous. So yeah. I'm like, all right, if I go to this pulmonologist, hopefully they'll be able to get me a CT scan. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as I like found out that the x-ray was the same, I like largely grounded myself, but I'm not mm-hmm. really good at grounding myself. So I made an appointment for a haircut. So mm-hmm. that Saturday I got my haircut and was still not feeling well too, because I remember getting to the haircut and being like, oh shoot, I might actually have a temperature because I'm just like baseline unwell. And I just like accepted it, Yeah. Um, but was fine. Mm-hmm. Got the haircut, thank God. Um, and then that night or that day, I went into a Whole Foods and it was the first time that my chest was like a serious problem where I went oh. in to take a deep breath and cough mm. and I couldn't. And I was like, what the hell is this? Um, yeah, that's really scary. So I went home, like sat on my couch. That night was waking up in the middle of the night because I would wake up to cough, but then the cough mm-hmm. would be so painful. So I just like couldn't sleep because I like couldn't really breathe. Yeah. So I called my mom that morning 
um and was like hi we have a problem I don't know what it is but like yeah I can't, can't breathe. breathe really well I can't stop coughing but also yeah but also coughing really hurts yeah and, like I just don't even know so she came up um and I moved my pulmonologist appointment to like first thing Monday morning mm-hmm. and at this point, one would think that I would go to the ER, but in my mind, I was like, no, I have all of the symptoms of COVID. They are going to put me in a room with other people with COVID, and then I'm going to get COVID. And that was like right. the worst yeah, case scenario in my mind at that point. That's really, yeah. During, oh my God. It's, I it can't like imagine all, yeah. yeah, I can't imagine all of this during COVID. Like crazy. Because yeah, the ER yeah. is the last place you want to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm like, nope, I'm going to go to the pulmonologist. They'll figure it out and they will get me a CT scan and I will avoid the ER. Mm-hmm. Um, but Monday morning comes around. I was probably like at a baseline. I was at probably eight out of 10 pain. Every time uh, that I went to like take a deep breath or cough, it would go to like 10 out of 10. Oh my if God. I was crying or laughing, it would go to 10 out of 10. So I'm like trying to shower, can't move, just start crying, but like can't really cry. So mm-hmm. I'm like, mom, help me. She makes a joke. I start laughing. Then I start crying because it hurts so bad. So I'm just oh like in tears, but in so much pain going to this pulmonologist, still refusing to go to the ER. Yeah. Um, like just go to the ER. You're in a lot of pain. <laughs> so yeah. I get to this pulmonologist appointment, tears streaming down my face. I'm like an hour early. I'm like, if I could be seen sooner, please let me in. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like go sit down. Um, I finally get back and he still has like no idea. I'm like oh going through all my symptoms, the like whole pneumonia backstory, the rash on my chest. He's like, the rash is unrelated. You should go to a dermatologist. It's like, I don't know the <laughs> answer here. Um, he finally, at one point, he's like, you seem like somebody that understands that medicine is just a lot of like practicing and like, you know, really gathering information to try to figure out like what the best option is. And I was like, yes, I always say that it's a practice and I don't understand when the big game is. And he did not like that joke. Um, But he was like, have you choked on something recently? I had somebody that had like a lentil stuck in their lung. And I was like, no, I think there's something stuck in my lungs. I haven't choked recently. Yeah. I was like, this is not a lentil stuck in my lungs. Um, oh my god so finally he told me to go to the ER and I was like okay now that like a medical professional is telling me to go to the ER is my best option yeah I guess I will listen to him yeah um I go to the ER I I get pain meds thank god mm. um and finally get the CT scan and the doctor comes up after and he's like all right I took a preliminary look what it looks like is that you have an infection and the infection or there's, I don't even remember exactly what they said, but essentially they thought it was an infection and they thought that it was impacting my lungs and that there was something on my lungs and that's what broke my sternum. Oh my God. Oh my God. Your sternum broke? Okay. Yes. My sternum broke. That's what the 10 out of 10 pain was. My sternum broke. Oh my Um, God. From the mass? I mean, did you eventually figure out that it was Mm -hmm. from the mass? Yes. So- so that was Monday. He gets that. He comes back a couple minutes later. He's like, it's actually worse than I thought. And I was like, these are things you don't say to people. Yeah. Um, and he's like, it actually, there's a mass. They still thought it was an infection though. So he was like, it's a mass. The mass broke your sternum and there's oh really bad God. damage on your lung. So we need to put you on all these antibiotics to get the infection to go down. They put me on five antibiotics right away. I was like, this feels aggressive. Um, they admitted me I to the I can't believe they thought it was an infection still. Oh, yep. Still did. Still thought it was an infection. Um, The next day, 
I had like infectious disease and thoracic surgery was like on my case primarily. And like hospitals are mm-hmm. lovely. I have all the gratitude in the world, but they're like the slowest, poorest com- example of communication. Ever. Like yeah. in two, like Tuesday was the next day. I was so hopped up on pain pills because I was just in such pain. Thank God my mom could be there. So they like communicated through her. Um, but they were like, mm-hmm. it's an infection. The infectious disease guy came in and he was the first one to say, it's probably an infection, but we do want to rule out that it's a tumor. And I was like, cool. Um, and then, so we had this plan oh that they God. were going to do a biopsy. The ruling out. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, great. We're totally going to rule that the, out. You're the right. amount of times I heard, we just want to rule it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So then they come in a million times on Tuesday when they're like the thoracic surgery residents are there and then the infectious disease residents and they're like pinballing back and forth in between the different plans. And I'm like, someone said something different, but like, whatever. Um, my mom and sister had just left. And finally this, the chief thoracic surgeon comes in and he was like, I look at hundreds of CT scans a year. Uh, yours is the most unique that I've seen. And I think we need to start preparing for this to be a tumor and for this to be cancer. And I was like, holy shit. Um, wow. So the next day he immediately got me in for a biopsy. Um, and that night was the first Mm. and only time that I looked something up on my chart and Googled it. Um, I looked up necrotic tumor, which the first thing that came up was poor prognosis, lung cancer. So I was like, okay, I guess I have poor prognosis, lung cancer. Oh God, There's lung cancer in my family. I like, honestly don't even remember the rest of that night. I think I like blacked it out because I was just like preparing for the worst. Um, the next morning, oh my God. Yeah. Looking anything up is never never good. The next morning I go down for surgery and he had told me the night before, he's like, we're just going to sedate you. You're not going to go under anesthesia. And I was like, okay, I get down. He, I first person I talked to, he's like, hi, I'm your anesthesiologist. I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, and I'm like going through this mantra in my head of like, no matter what it is, I can handle it. No matter what it is, I can handle it. And then the doctor comes over that I'd met with the night before. And he was like, so it is actually lymphoma. And I was like, okay, I know what it is and I can handle this. And then I went right under. Essentially. Right. He like told me. And then two seconds later, I'm like under anesthesia. And then I come back yeah. out of anesthesia and I'm in this closet because, which I didn't mention before, because they thought it was an infection, they had to rule out tuberculosis. So throughout all of this time in the hospital, okay. I'm under quarantine essentially. So they put me in like the post-op room, but I'm in this oh, closet God. where the nurse call button doesn't work. And there's one window that <gasps> you can see out, but you can barely see. And thank oh, God that gosh. I was still like high on anesthesia and just like in the mindset Seriously. that I was in. That is because like so scary. Yeah. I was I and throughout all of this, I will say like I've had a very positive outlook. I just was like, this is horrible. This sucks, but I'm going to be okay. And it's going to do like in the grand scheme of my life, this is going to be a gift. And like, I fundamentally believe that. And like in that Mm -hmm. moment, that's what I was focused on. But I literally found out I had cancer and then was locked in a room for four hours by myself. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. And when you found out like before before you were locked in the closet, were you kind of like, relieved like in a sense that you knew what it was? <laughs> um, kind, like, yes and no. 
because I just never mm. like there was one day over the summer I remember I said to my sister because my hair was like thinning and kind of falling out and I was like I probably have cancer and mm. she was like your hair falls out if you have chemo not if you have cancer like that's not it and I was like I don't know but I could um, right. and I was mostly kidding but yeah. I never thought it yeah. was cancer. So like, I wasn't quite like, I was happy for like the questions to be over, but I like didn't have much time to be relieved until I was like, holy shit, what's happening? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then it was just like such a whirlwind where I told like my bosses the next day and literally logged off work, haven't looked back since. I like ended up telling like mm. the next few days were like, I felt like it was like a press tour. I was like telling friends, telling family. Mm. And I have, was able to get into an appointment quickly with UPenn the next week. Um, okay. And then I had that appointment. And from the appointment, they like started chemo like the next day because they did a follow-up CT scan and the tumor had grown so much. So it was just like such <gasps> oh, a Oh, wow. Really? How many... Yeah. How much time was in between that first one and the second one? Um, it was a Monday was the first CT scan. And then the following one was the following Wednesday. So like nine days. And it went from like a softball. Oh my God, it had grown. To, yeah. It went from like a softball to, wow. what did they say? Like a melon, essentially. Oh my yeah. God, that's crazy. Wow. It was, yeah, it was a lot. So like, it was such a whirlwind and like the worst, I think honestly the worst day of like the entire, one of the worst days of my entire experience was like the first day out of the first round of chemo. Oh, what? Why? Because like the press tour was over. I had just all of a sudden like gotten this round of chemo that like came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and my sternum still hurt. So like I'm processing this information, but not really because I can't laugh. I can't cry because it hurts my sternum so bad. So I just had to sit still, but also I had gained 30 pounds from all the fluids of the first round. So I needed to be like up and walking to get that water weight off. And then like walking would make my sternum hurt more. But if I sat, it would make the water weight hurt more. Like the first, after the first round was like miserable. Oh my God. And how did they fix? It was so bad until like my sternum finally started to heal. Yeah. How did that heal? Does it heal on its own? Was there, what's like the process there? There like is no process. (laughs) They were like, just don't move. I was like, cool. Um, there's nothing they can do. Oh my god! And it takes like it's still healing fully because I have one like the one final spot was right in between like my lung and my chest, uh-huh. and that's right where like your chest wall is. So because throughout the entire time that I was going through chemo and like still now essentially, just because I don't really know if it's fully healed. Mm-hmm it can't fully close up until like all of the mass and all of the cells and everything is gone. So it's like, it's definitely healed and I've come a long way, but there's nothing they can really do to speed it up. And because every time you take a breath, you're expanding your lungs and pressing against your chest wall a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's not like you really fully can stay still. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's wild. But it feels better or a little bit better now. It definitely feels better. It took like three weeks and Mm -hmm. it was like slowly getting better. I, like, slept on a recliner for a little bit in the beginning, mm. which I, like, felt like Grandpa Joe yeah. from, um, what's it called, from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, because I was, like, I can't move from this recliner. I sleep in it. I sit in it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's only gotten better. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. And did you stay with your family? Did you have to stay in the hospital? Did you stay with your family during it? What did that look like? So uh, I'm very lucky that my family was able to 
get apartments outside of the hospital in UPenn. Mm -hmm. So as I was in, because everything happened so fast, I was in the hospital for round one. Mm -hmm. My family was like setting up an apartment outside of the hospital. Um, So I stayed with them. It was my mom, my older sister, um, because they both live in Jersey. Mm -hmm. And then my dad and my stepmom and my younger sister live in Florida. So it was each one cheaper for them to be able to care for me than if I did treatment in New York. Yeah. Um, and it was just easier for them to be able to like get apartments and like be around. Oh, that's really um, nice. So they yeah, were able so to be there. In, I had to do. Yeah. Thank God. I'm like just yeah. very appreciative of like how I was able to stop work right away mm-hmm. and like really take the time to just like focus on healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was like, so for my treatment itself, so I, part of it was from the chemo, but my heart would always do weird stuff. Mm. Um, so like when I was on chemo, I did Epoch R, mm-hmm. um, or R Epoch, whichever people call it, but that's the one that's the red devil, mm-hmm. which one of the cardiologists so lovingly called it right. as it was being put in my body. I was like, please don't call it that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it really affects your cardiac health. So yeah. my heart rate would drop down to like 40 overnight. Oh, when wow. I was in the hospital. So then for every other round of chemo, they had me do inpatient to be able to monitor that stuff. Okay. And did you have to have the red devil the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that one sucks. So it was great. Yeah. I had that one too. And it was horrible. It was not fun. It was not fun. Yeah. How did your body, like how did any other side effects happen during chemo or um, was that the main one? Um, that was the main one. I feel like I fared pretty well. Mm -hmm. Like I never really got nauseous. I never really lost my appetite except when I had mouth sores. Mm -hmm. My biggest issue was my heart, um, and general like dehydration from the chemo, which also would like impact my heart sometimes Mm -hmm. and the mouth sores. Yeah. Um, so like for the first few days and just like, of course, like fatigue, I just was constantly exhausted. exhausted. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like the first few days, I just felt like sick and weak and tired. Mm-hmm. And then I would start to feel a little bit better once, especially once I got like the new Lasta shot mm-hmm. that would like boost my white blood cells. And then as my white cells would go back down, I would get mouth sores. Mm-hmm. And like when they were really bad, I like couldn't really eat could, and like couldn't really talk either. So I just would like sit in silence on my recliner. Oh, that's horrible. Do you have any advice for people that get the, the get mouth sores also? Um, yes, definitely get magic mouthwash Mm. from your oncologist, uh, or your like dentist, um, which is like very numbing. Mm. I forget what the ingredients are, but it like numbs your mouth out. So like, if you are going to eat, like you can try to do it before. Um, and like really hydrate a ton. Yeah. Obviously a big piece of it is from like your white cells, but I started doing IV fluids Mm. after, round four oh okay and the mouth sores were a lot yeah so it did make a difference the more hydrated yeah okay that's good and um yeah some magic mouthwash yeah oh that's great and how did like the hair and losing that like how did that all go and what was kind of the process for you um it went (laughs) the hair is gone (laughs) um I what did I do? I ended up shaving it before round two. Okay. Um, like it was, I remember when they told me, which is 
another example of like questionable bedside manner. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They told me when I was starting chemo, like, yep, this means that your hair is going to fall out um, within two weeks. So of course I immediately started crying. Yeah. Same. Um, and then he goes on to tell me that I, yeah, like completely. I was like, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then he goes on to tell me that an infection, I really need to be careful about infections. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like still crying about my hair and the doctor proceeds to go, well, it's just so confusing. Everybody cries about the hair, but they don't cry about the fact that an infection could kill them. Are you like, serious? Why are you telling me this? Why are you giving me this information? Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, no, it's crazy, dude. I'm assuming, like, yeah, I'm assuming the doctor was a male. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So that was classic. <laughs> and so I shaved it right before mm. round two. Um, and I got a wig right before then too, just cause I felt weird shaving it and not having totally. a wig, but I never wear it. Same. I'm like very hot and cold about whether I'm even going to get a wig. Um, cause that one was like, I have brown hair and I just got a blonde wig. Yeah. Um, cause I was like, whatever, this is fun. I'll eventually get one that looks more like my hair, yeah. but like, I just wanted to get one that day. Um, I don't know. I just don't really feel the need to get it. Yeah. I, just I... don't really like they're so hot. I'm a sweaty person already. Yeah. I got one. I got one made. I remember we like after the first or my doctor told me like, okay, you're going to lose your hair after the second round. And after the second round, like the next day, my hair started falling out. And so, um, we had it like all lined up with the guy that made the wig to, he was, he shaved it off. Um, but I wore the wig two times and, um, like, (laughs) <laughs> it was just like it was nice it yeah. was a nice insurance policy almost like in case I wanted to wear it but um mm-hmm. but yeah it just didn't feel like my hair like you know I'm like I feel like I look like I'm wearing a wig yeah and I do not put a lot of effort into my appearance on a normal yeah. time <laughs> so my hair I'm lucky that it's like naturally curly mm-hmm. but it's not like it ever looks styled so any wig that I get is going to be very obvious that I'm wearing yeah <laughs> Um, and my, like, especially when I first shaved my head, like it buzzed it, it was fine. Yeah. Like I'm fine with short hair. So like right now I'm in the in-between phase where like, I'm still bald. So I'm eager to get some hair back. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I don't think I'm going to end up going all in on the wigs. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people, I know, yeah, I don't know. Most people I have talked to don't do the wig or do the wig and never wear it or just rock the you know, yeah. buzz look, which I actually, I didn't mind the buzz look. What was like harder for me was the in-between. I like didn't know what to do with my hair. So, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm very, um, I'm very ready. Well, I'm not ready at all actually, but I'm <laughs> mentally preparing yeah. for that part. Cause I feel like the in-between, I have very curly hair too. So I'm just like mentally preparing to have an Afro like my dad did in the 70s yeah. and I just feel like it's gonna be full circle so I'm just uh, it'll come I think curly is better because it looks like like mine is kind of straight so it was like would flip out whereas mm-hmm. curly it's like kind of cute mm-hmm. and like you can style it more I don't know yeah yeah I don't know do you happen to watch search party no I watched a few okay you know um Dory the main character yeah I just feel like I'm like mentally preparing to have short curly yeah. hair. Like I feel like that's going to be my in-between phase. And I'm like, you know what? She pulls it totally. off. Totally. Yeah. It looks cute. <laughs> it's 
So we'll see. But yeah, it's it's weird too. Like, especially at least where I am right now, specifically, it's like this weird time where I'm excited to finally be able to like see people. Mm-hmm. Granted, limited outside masks, all that good stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, I look like I feel like peak alien right now. Yeah. Where I have like no eyebrows, no eyelashes. <laughs> but I'm like, want to get out in the world. And I'm like waiting for my hair to grow back. Yeah. Um, so it's just like a, right now, I feel like is the weirdest time thus far of all of this. Yeah, the in between is really weird, but the eyebrows and eyelashes grow back really fast. At least they did for me. Okay, good. That's good. To yeah, know. that those yeah. grew back pretty fast. Um, yeah, I've already started like biotin and all that. Yeah, I took a lot of. Okay. I took a lot of biotin. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, can you overdose on biotin? Just curious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the second, like, my doctor didn't let me take any supplements during, and the second I stopped chemo, I was like, I'm taking as much biotin as I possibly can. Exactly. My sister swears by collagen peptides to get her hair, like, longer and thicker, so I don't know. Trying that, too, so we'll see. Yeah, I take all of it. (laughs) Yes. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Um, And then, okay, so you... You ended chemo on February 1st and when's your scan? It's mm-hmm. what, it's next week? The 24th. Yeah, next week. Okay. Um, do you like do yeah. anything to prepare for scans or anything like that? I don't really know. Yeah. It's very hard to mentally prepare for scans. Right. Um, not really, honestly. Yeah. I feel like... Like, again, like, I feel like so much of the entire experience so far was, like, such a whirlwind that, like, I didn't really mm-hmm. feel like I would get a ton of scanxiety when I was, like, in the middle of it. Um, right. So I just would kind of, like, push through. Um, now I feel mm-hmm. like it's this weird in-between where it's, like, every day I feel like I'm preparing for it in some way, shape, and form. Yeah. Um, but yeah. now I probably more so I feel like I get the most stress, like, that day. So I feel like I will probably, like, and it's tough too, because I had one friend that was like, plan something really like positive for that day. But like with COVID, I can only plan meals to get excited. Right. Like there's just so little that we can do. Yeah. So like, I'll plan like a really good dinner that night to look forward to. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, <laughs> yeah, that's just, a good like, thing. Through the day. Yeah. I'll like have like a nice meal in between scan and appointment. Yeah. That's nice. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, radiation so- is, was way easier than chemo. I mean, it sucks, yeah. but in the scheme of things, it was it was easier for sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm optimistic, and I'm hoping that I won't need it. But I know if I do, again, the hardest yeah. part, I'm past with chemo. Um, and yeah. it's just like, especially like three weeks is what they said it would probably be in comparison to like four months. Like, I can very much handle it. Mm-hmm. It just would be really nice if I didn't need to. Totally. 100%. Um, and okay, what were you doing like work-wise before? And then like, do you, are you going to go back? Do you have a plan or not really yet? Yeah. So I am a recruiter. Um, so with COVID I was working from home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go back. I'll probably go back April 19th to be exact. That's when like, it's the six month mark of short-term disability. Um, and even if I need radiation, I should be in good shape to be able to even have some time before then. Um, but yeah, it's Mm -hmm. been, it's been really interesting. I think this came at a really good time weirdly I know that's a strange thing to say Mm -hmm. especially with COVID but like with work I was very burnt out and I had been putting a ton of mental energy into work for so long and like Mm -hmm. being able to step away from it was 
like such a freeing feeling and it's like sounds crazy but I would have a lot of anxiety about work and throughout this experience I have not had a lot of anxiety which is wild to think like gets cancer doesn't get anxiety anymore um but it just goes to show of like how much mental energy I was putting into my job so like my team at work everyone's been so wonderful um in terms of like you know checking in and being supportive so I'm excited to go back Um, and also just, and again, it's not even like it's anything that they did. It's just the pressure that I put on myself is what makes me very anxious a lot of times at work. So I'm like going to very much communicate my new boundaries to my boss. I already told her, like, get excited. We have a nice chat coming of things that I mentally cannot do anymore. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, I think so many of us put too much pressure on ourselves with work. And then when something like this happens, it's like, oh, like, okay. Yeah. That doesn't really like, you know. And that's been one of like the biggest lessons and kind of best parts of this experience for myself has been during chemo and during the time that I was going through everything. And even still now, to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. I just had zero expectations for myself. Like I wasn't Mm. trying to do anything other than get through every day. And it just went to Mm -hmm. show how, and again, because of that, I didn't really have any anxiety and I like mentally was in a pretty Mm -hmm. good place, obviously dealing with like the trauma of this, but it wasn't something where I was like putting myself down, feeling bad about myself, feeling like I should be doing more because I had expectations for myself that were non-existent. Um, And like, it just, like you said, you reminded me that like, we all put so many expectations on ourselves that like our just mm-hmm. constructs in one way shape and form because all of them went away and I totally. was perfectly fine um so mm-hmm. I'm definitely like obviously as I'm like getting back into the world I will start to have expectations for myself just so I you know do things yeah. but not to the point of before where it was just like so unrealistic and so bad for my mental health mm-hmm. I do think that is like one really beautiful thing of it I think a lot of us are way kinder to ourselves and like give us Mm -hmm. time to rest and rather than like go, 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 which I feel like the entire American society is like, like we're, we give ourselves time to just like relax. And yeah. So I think that is one good thing that comes out of it. Absolutely. And it's, it's interesting too, because I feel like a lot of times people will be like, Oh my God, like what lessons have you learned? Like what's like the biggest like takeaways? It's all stuff that like, it's nothing groundbreaking. Like it's not like there's anything Mm -hmm. that you really find out that you didn't already know. It just gives you Mm -hmm. the desire and the drive to just live the way that you know that you probably wanted to be living before, but wouldn't because of whatever XYZ reason that you had. Like just in yeah, terms of like building so confidence true. and, and you know, just being able to advocate for myself, like just little things. Like these are all things mm-hmm. that like I knew I wanted to do, but until an experience where you might not be able to do anything, you, it's much easier to give yourself a million excuses why you shouldn't do things. So it's been nice to like so actually live, live the mentality that like I thought I had in the back of my mind, but like got caught up in the day to day of you know, every which routine and every sort of thing that we did for whatever reason, that now mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm not going to go back to just like saying yes to everything. I'm going to say no to things because I need to. 100%. Yeah. It's just like a reminder. I think that's such a good point. Cause I always get asked to like, what did you learn? What's the biggest thing you learned? And I'm like, and I feel like people want yeah. 
us to say like go skydiving every day because like you never know if you're gonna mm-hmm. be able to do it tomorrow <laughs> but like that's just not yeah right the reality that's not it yeah no yeah it's <laughs> definitely it's not like do do the things that you make excuses not to do but not go skydiving mm-hmm. like take a nap <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like the very like little simple things of like exactly actually yeah. do the thing that you've been telling yourself that you want to do but for whatever reason haven't been so it's been nice for yeah that exactly sense, but yeah I'm not, I'm not going skydiving anytime yeah. soon <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, you're also like a comedian, right? Yeah. So I still feel like a little bit of a faker when I say I'm a comedian, <laughs> but I am. That's more of like my own, uh, my own thing. But yeah, I dabble in stand up. Yeah. I was doing stand up. I mean, I haven't in so long because of this and also because of yeah, COVID. Yeah, because of COVID. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, and it's also, again, it's an example of one of those things that like I did, but then wasn't doing and was making a million excuses as to why not. And now I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. there's literally no excuse that is like valid. <laughs> I mean, there is, if I that's really awesome. want to, but it is something that I actually want to do. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, been more, that's so and, great. and you have, you have a lot of material now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And I'm very new to stand up. That's a big thing too, in the sense that like, I've only mm. been doing it for a year, which is new to people. Um, and I'm not okay. personally very like super, super comfortable on stage yet. And like, I do have a lot of like cancer content, if you will. And like, I feel like I need yeah. to make sure that I'm confident because nothing will silence a room quicker than like cringy cancer jokes. <laughs> so like, yeah. I need to make sure that I'm getting confident with like my old jokes about like my ex that I don't really care about anymore before like going on and being like, so I have cancer. <laughs> so yeah. Right. So, but it's definitely been something that like throughout this, I'm like, okay, there's, you know, wh- why not do it? That's so great. That's awesome. You should. Yeah, um, and this is like also could, just made me. Could I feel you could do a whole like cancer bit and do it through like you know like stupid cancer like one of those platforms. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I started a blog too, just because I realized throughout all of this, like it started with a yeah. um, Facebook group of just like updating my friends and family. But I was like getting mm. such enjoyment about like writing to them and like you know making it funny and making them laugh throughout this. So I started a blog. So I've been doing just like a lot more Oh, that's writing. awesome. Um, yeah. Which what I is it? Like, What's it called? Honestly, that's been like um, shancurry.medium.com. So you can go to it through there. That's yeah. great. Um, yeah. So it's been fun. And like before I go back to work, I'm taking a writing class just because like I need my brain to get back into nice. the swing of things. And also like doing something that I actually enjoy, which is like something yeah. that I would just never have the time to do before. And now I have the time and the desire to actually do stuff for myself and not just for everyone else yeah good for you that's great I love that I always like to ask if you could give advice like one or two pieces of advice for someone that was just recently diagnosed um what would it be um kind of similar to what I said before like don't have expectations for yourself like Mm -hmm. if you can take care of yourself in whatever way possible and prioritize yourself yeah Um, I think that that's like basic advice I would give to anyone in any situation. Um, but more specifically with this, I think the more that you can focus on like your own physical healing and like focus on your own, Mm -hmm. like mental healing in some ways, which I think a lot of time just being able to prioritize yourself is goes leaps and bounds for that. 
Um, Mm -hmm. obviously people have different scenarios where, you know, if you still need to work, of course, you know, I'm not saying quit your job if you can't, like I need health insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, but like just Mm -hmm. anything that you can do to prioritize yourself and listen to yourself, do it. Um, yeah. And just like like you said before, like be kind to yourself, be easy on yourself because it's, again, it's like something that I would recommend to anyone, but specifically with this, it's just hard enough without worrying about everyone else so true love that thank you so much shannon for sharing your story and yeah so thank you for having me of course of it was course, my pleasure of course um please thank you, you need Maddie. To, yeah of course you need to keep us posted with um your scan i'm gonna check in next week to see how it goes yes i i definitely will i definitely will yeah, good. Thank you so much. It was wonderful meeting you face to face, kind of. Yes, you too, Maddie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast where we get down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens before, during, and after cancer. Hosted by me, Madison Pollock. Follow along for updates and guests on Facebook and Instagram at Cancer Actually Sucks Podcast.